Do you have more than one location? Or do you have many retailers selling your products in multiple locations? If you do, the best way to help customers find them is with the Bold Store Locator app. I have used it in several stores, and it always works. It's the original store locator app for Shopify. And whether you have 10 or 10,000 locations, this app can handle it, and it looks great in any store. Your customers can let the app detect their location, or simply enter their zip code, select a radius, and see the locations near them. They can even click and get turn-by-turn -turn directions. Plus, it offers filtering to make sorting through 10,000 locations even easier. And if you want to customize it, you can create custom pins, set priorities for ones to show at the top, maybe they're a preferred dealer, add custom text, hours, descriptions for each location, even custom fields. And of course, you could bulk import all of your locations with a CSV and export too if you need it. But probably my favorite feature is what they call heat map reporting. In the back end, you could see a heat map report of where everyone is searching for you. This is a great way to get insight into where people are looking for your products and where they want you to be. So if you have multiple locations, check out Bold Store Locator. As an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, Bold is offering you their Store Locator app free for two months. To get this special offer, go to kurtelster.com bold and you'll be able to install it from there. kurtelster.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, I am joined by a past guest. Yes, back in uh, summer of 2019, it feels like forever ago, I interviewed a, a really interesting man in my office who I met at a meetup and who I liked a lot, uh, Cesar Torres, who sells really cool leggings. And the leggings were born out of his sci-fi books, which has to be, that has to be the most unlikely origin story for a Shopify store uh, that we've ever had on this show. But he's... Obviously, he, he was affected like everybody else by the pandemic, and he, he posted in our Facebook group and said, hey, I, you know, I hear all these success stories, and uh, I want to hear about someone who, you know, who really suffered with the pandemic. And I said, well, are you volunteering? And so he has come back to share his story of like, hey, we had this really this strong business, and then a pandemic happened. And what happened since then? So we're going get, to get the update from him. But first, well, welcome. Thank you for, for being here. Oh, thank you, uh, Kurt. It's it's lovely to be back. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you. Let's let's start from the top. 
what the heck do you sell again? Yeah, I make the world's most colorful, most 80s neon-inspired bodybuilding tights, which are mostly worn by men. We do have a few uh, female-presenting customers who, who do pick them up. But in general, if you're a dude and you've been thinking, oh my God, black is like all I can find on Under Armour, we are that alternative. And so um, my collection of designs now, our product line has about 90 designs of these tights. Oh. Yes. And, um, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about more now is specifically what the product is. You even mentioned the first time I was on, if people go back and listen to that, uh, you even said, you suggested, hey, why don't you just, you know, double down on like what it is, like that's your main product. And uh, that, that advice does work. Uh, you know, tights is our flagship product, but we also make a few other things. We make, of course, t-shirts and sweatshirts, but our wrestling singlets are very, very popular. We always sell a lot of those. And I think spandex is the name of the game for what I do. Uh, and so it's a way of um, bringing, infusing lots more style and color to men's gym fashion than uh, ever before. Yes. Oh, the, the stuff, it, it's so fun and it's practical. It's really cool. I love the 80s design. I have, I've been riding that synthwave, vaporwave <laughs> train, 80s revival, 90s revival. That, right. has, that really was the thing that kept me sane through the pandemic mm. and buying vintage crap off ebay for you know 20 bucks a pop <laughs> really that that's what got me through in the first six months of that pandemic just stupid 20 dollars ebay purchases well, well we make that stuff that actually looks like those things from the 80s but you know customers who are uh, very savvy on ebay they say oh how do i find those bodybuilding tights that uh you know some of the famous bodybuilders used to wear like dorian yates you know you, you it was like stripes right we actually have remade that but with modern materials and of course more of a sensibility about the world of bodybuilding, which is, you know, generally been very closed off. Now there's many people in that space, including LGBTQ people. And that's where we are at because we brought it back with even more style. I, I, I think we forgot to mention the name of your business. What is the Shopify store? <laughs> it is LED Queens, which is a futuristic concept that is an homage to uh, queer culture, LGBTQ culture, but also futurism and sci-fi. And if you care to know about the very, very uh, Easter egg connection, it's a, it's a trio of artificial intelligences that come from the future back into the present in one of my book, books. Yeah. <laughs> and you've even that messaging is even in the the logo where you have mm -hmm. the the pink triangle. I yes. see it hiding back there as part of the logo. This is very clever. And so ledqueens.com and of course I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. But all right, so characterize you know, we talked about it in 2019 and so let's end of 2019 maybe January 2020. Where is LED Queens? Where's your head at? It was in a really good place. Uh I was already of course, working on my business plan for the next year or two. And two really great things were happening in that fall of 2019. I actually uh, had started a looking for a round of investment. And I wasn't looking for giant money, you know, from like VC investors or anything, but just a little bit of a boost to hire more to build a team. My focus was on building a team. Uh, I actually got one offer, which was excellent. But then I decided to wait a little bit. Uh, just because I guess I'm just kind of a a person who takes their time thinking through that. And I was like, I, you know, even though it's, it's good terms, you know, like you're beholden to this person once they invest. So I was waiting a little bit on that and I decided to just defer. I said, can I just have more time? 
And they said, great, this is great. Okay, so that was really good. And then at the same time, I was working on the product line for the next two or three years. It was really exciting. And I made my first uh, part-time hire, which for us, because we're so small, was a really significant hire. I hired my first staff writer. And oh man, she turned out to be just the most amazing person I, I've worked with so far in the brand to the point where uh, we spent like two, uh, two months training her just how to uh, do things the way I do them. And then she took off. After that, she just started writing all our marketing materials, including emails. And uh, I didn't have to supervise her. And she, in fact, evolved the voice of the brand through her writing. And so uh, that, that was incredible. You know, we were just kind of on this high through the end of 2019. And then, <laughs> and then, and then the pandemic arrived. And I was keen to the pandemic, I think, before other people. As a sci-fi writer and just as a journalist of 25 years, um, as early as January, I remember seeing uh, news items about uh, these infections in Wuhan, in China. And I thought, oh, this, this could be sort of like, you know, what the projections have been all along by scientists, that this could be a pandemic. And uh, sure enough, by February, I was already like calling up my family and saying, we need to have an emergency plan for this. So that by the time March rolled around and the lockdowns actually started, there was no shock for me. Um, and many people even said, you know, later on, they said, oh, my God, you were so right. You know, you, you, all these things you predicted about masks, et cetera, they came to be true. Um, oh, you not, knew about you were on the masks train early? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was already like social distancing at home because I just, I just followed what the science had to say about pandemics. And so um, I was very concerned. But of course, just because I'm a person who intellectually knows that stuff well, didn't mean that I'm prepared or that I was prepared for the emotional impact of the pandemic, the fear, the anxiety. Uh, and oh, so, the anxiety. Yes, and so, you know, to, to shorten the story there, which I think most people here will relate to, 2020 was a year of just dealing mostly with emotions, like just being unsure about what would happen to the business, being unsure what would happen to family members, and uh, reconstructing my, my whole concept of what modern Western society is. We're still doing that, we're still rebuilding but we're completely rebooting basically the way we do a lot of things. There's no going back. Most people say, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. We're not going back to normal. This is sort of a new normal that we have to move forward into. And it doesn't mean we're walking around in hazmat suits, but it's a new way of living and doing business. And I, I think you're absolutely right. The pandemic did a lot of things uh, to, it felt like accelerate uh, technology and the, the way we, we work and live. You know, I don't know that people are going to necessarily be shaking hands again after this anytime soon, right? Um, I remember early on in the pandemic, I thought like, oh, we got to wear gloves and you have to disinfect everything. And it turned out like masks were the thing you really needed. So yes. that I got wrong. I knew I was running around in gloves all the time. Um, but what do you think? Uh, well, you know what? We're going to save. Well, no, no, let's do let's do your predictions. What's what has changed? What are we sticking with? Well, uh, I mean, this, the story for my business, and this is precisely why I reached out to you from that Facebook post, post that you made, uh, I really felt at the end of 2020 that there was a bubble, just a sort of uh, almost like a social media kind of phenomenon where all these small businesses and also the uh, consultants, right, that provide services to small businesses were saying, oh, this was the year for e-commerce. Everybody went gangbusters because now is the time for e-commerce to just rise, etc. Now... I, my store has always been 100% e-commerce. We, we choose to not be in retail because we do get offers, right? 
but all that being said, we didn't have a hot year like that. And I'll, I'll lay it out real simply for, for people here because we are just that small. Our, our actual revenue did grow by a tiny bit, right? I think it was like, it was like close to like five, six percent, which is good, right? Considering uh, it's a pandemic. But people need to really know their numbers. Our projections for our growth were actually going to be closer to like between you know sixty to eighty percent because that's how we were tracking from the year before, right? So that that's a huge uh, resetting of, of my expectations. Number two, one of the reasons why we were able to get that little tiny bump and not basically go in reverse is that we threw a lot of resources into content. You know, working on staying in touch with the customer. I think through the the best thing we did at LED Queens was letting the customer know we are still here, even though things are pretty terrible out there with politics, uh, the pandemic, etc. We we stayed in touch with them week by week, social media and newsletter uh, writing, and so uh, a lot of resources went into that. And then we also uh, pivoted, right? Like. I already had my pivot plan. It was it was written two years before this happened because I thought, what if one day we have to move into that? And uh, I wouldn't say it blew up in my face, but the expectations uh, were not met. In, in other words, my pivot plan just uh, turned out differently than I thought it would be. Very simply, the that plan was, if we ever have to move to a position where uh, we cannot reach people physically as well, is we would make educational content that is free when you buy the tights. So if, Kurt, if you buy two pairs of tights, we get you on a Clavio um, flow where you get all this like cool fitness uh, information written by a professional, right? Not by myself, but by a professional, a coach who would say, you know, eat this, wear that, uh, you know, to lift, to lift weights, uh, train this many times a week, etc. So we put that into place as soon as it started. And I already had a, uh, a, a, uh, personal trainer who was working with me on writing some of that stuff, but it did not turn out like that at all because my actual emotions of dealing with the impact of COVID, uh, having some family members who were in the hospital, some which actually uh, passed away from COVID, uh, my willingness to kind of grind that hard on that pivot just did not turn out well. And also the, the relationship with that person who was working on that content, uh, that also didn't work out because they also weren't feeling so hot about right. the pandemic. And so I got real disheartened. And, uh, you know, lots of businesses, I'm sure, try to pivot. But uh, one thing we could never account for was how people actually feel when they're going to work every day. And so that, that, that didn't feel good. And also it, it, it wasn't, I'll never know if it would have brought more sales or not, but uh, I'm a person that doesn't give up. So as soon as that pivot didn't work, I said to myself, what else is happening here? How else can we reach the customer and stay in touch with them, not just to sell them our stuff, but also just to hear how they are doing? And so um, one of the marketing uh, channels that I've just I had in my pocket from a while ago, but had never pulled the trigger on was TikTok. Oh, yeah. So in late spring, right, I started just making TikToks for my brand. And if anybody here you know, wants to go deep into the world of TikTok, you know, the first time you go in there, if you have an Instagram presence, the thing you try to do is you try to make things that look like Instagram. It's like the, the most basic move that you should never do in TikTok. And you just try to repeat what you do there, right? It doesn't work. So I started you making- You try to post 
you get on TikTok and the first <laughs> thing you do, you're, you're like, oh, this is stories and you try to post stories. Yeah, you try to make them like stories. And um, of course, the other advice people usually give you is just start imitating other people on TikTok for what's trending. Uh, that, that generally is like good advice, but it's so vague. So I got on there and I just was, I would do a lot of lip syncs in the leggings in my living room. I wasn't talking too much about working out at home. Uh, so it was mostly like entertainment kind of content uh, because the leggings do really well on video, right? Like if you have a person dancing in them and these neon colors are jumping at you. Yeah, and it's I'll, very dramatic. Very I imagine, dramatic. yeah, on video that works really well. And for a gay and queer customer, which tends to be most of our customers, uh, you know, they also just like to see like bodies and smiles, you know, and all, all the whole package. They, 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 like, they want to see it all, right? I get that. So I did that for quite a while. And they were not really doing great uh, on TikTok. <laughs> oh, I thought it was like you're going to be like, no. and it immediately exploded. No, it was garbage. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm here to like level with you. Like, I think a lot of these things about what business owners, you know, the, the success stories of like the pandemic, um, many times they're just exaggerated or they're not telling you the full story. Like a lot of the- oh, 100%. Yeah. A lot of the year felt like garbage. A lot of the internal day-by-day -day stuff is like, I'm still getting up to go to you know work, doing my thing, getting up early but it felt like nothing was working. Uh, there, was, there was a sense of desperation sometimes. I was like, I am feeling desperate. What will happen to me, right? And what will happen to the business? But I'm making these TikToks, right? And because I had done so much work with YouTube, at least I was very comfortable with the technology. I could edit quick and add audio, et cetera. And so I make these uh, videos lip syncing and they're just not that doing that great. And uh, like a fool, I, I just don't give up. I keep on going. And one day in my leggings, I decided to make one TikTok about a video game I'm very passionate about, uh, j just to also uh, communicate a message saying to people in that community of that game that that there is toxicity in the in the voice communications of the game sometimes. Oh, well, I think that's where gaming culture. I mean, that has kept me out of like <laughs> multiplayer gaming for a decade. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> what game is this? Uh, the game is Overwatch. Overwatch, uh, okay. Made, made by I've, Activision I've not played Blizzard. it, but I'm familiar. That's a big deal. Yeah, it, the Overwatch is a big deal. It made a huge splash in 2016 when it launched. And uh, now it's an older game, right? It's like we're coming up on five years of it. But um, the game is super unique. Um, well, not super unique. It's just unique in the sense that it really has a plethora of diversity in terms of uh, race, ethnicity, and sexuality for the characters. And so... Because it has that, I made a TikTok where I said, you know what, like the game is awesome and unfortunately the uh, community can be really toxic, but here's my approach to it, which is sort of just being myself, right? Like don't be afraid of bullies, learn how to like mute, block and delete, do, do your thing, you know? That one TikTok then suddenly blew up. It just blew up and like the views just kept on going up and up. And I think to date it's like maybe 80,000 views for just 15 seconds of me, like... I mean, I'm still shocked by that, right? And that's not wow. huge by TikTok standards. I mean, 80,000 isn't like massive, but it was massive for us because on Instagram, we don't get organic reach like that ever. And so um, I looked at the TikTok, but then I was like, how do I duplicate this, right? Yeah, how do I do that again? And the answer was real simple, but it took me to a place where the pivot just, I did not know the pivot would take me here. What was happening was we were reaching a new audience uh, for LED Queens, for my main flagship product, these tights, our customers tend to be, uh, you know, people with, with jobs between the ages of about 25 and 45, right? 
what I was doing with this TikTok about Overwatch while wearing my product uh, was completely different. It was, it was literally like kids, like kids who are just 13, which is like the age when you can actually activate your TikTok account, you know, legally through about 22. So you're, it's a whole different way of communicating with them. And what I was, uh, you know, discovering as I made more was I was having so much fun. This is something oh, I was okay, born good. to do. Uh, speaking about video games and making humorous TikToks, it, you know, I, I can do that. And for some reason, these kids, I think they think of me as their gay uncle, the uncle. <laughs> For real, like, you know, they would start asking me for advice. They'd say, what do you what do you think about, you know, getting this game? And what's your opinion on this other one? As if I was an expert. And I would remind them, I'd say, I'm not an expert in gaming. But they kept on going. And then it moved into other kinds of advice. They said, I'm getting bullied at school. What do I do? Uh, I want to come out to my parents as gender nonconforming. What do I do? Uh, one of my teachers discovered I use different pronouns, which means I'm moving into a different you know, part of the spectrum for LGBTQ. What do I do? And, and then suddenly I was like, okay, like there is a need here and I cannot call these people the customers yet because I'm not making a product for them per se, but I've got, I've got this reach in, in an area that I never ever expected. And so I, I did double down on that. And it was a strange, maybe illogical thing to do as a business owner because that wasn't necessarily bringing in dollars, right? Like I tried, trust me, I did try. If people look, you know, there would be times when I'd say, oh, hey, you know, this, I'm wearing my leggings that I make, or, or they would ask. They'd say, where are, where are those leggings from? And I'd explain the story. That stuff does have an impact, but there wasn't a conversion per se. These kids don't have the cash to buy that stuff. And many of them are too young to actually want that stuff yet. It usually happens around like right college or right after college when people get more into working out. And so uh, we stayed true to it to the point where I actually had to split off TikToks. I have one TikTok account now just for gaming, LED Queens Gaming. And then we kept another one, the, we spun off another one for fitness so that I could still talk about the tights for older customers on TikTok. Uh, and so that's been the biggest surprise for me. It doesn't mean we've had like financial success from it, but we're in a different place. Now I stream twice a week on Twitch. Uh, because wow. these kids want to come in and they, they want to play the game with you. They want to talk about it with you. And of course, I do product placement and I do say, you know, the sponsor of the channel is my own brand. I think that's a smart thing to do. Uh, but it, it's moved me into a place as a business owner and leader where I think part of the future of our product line isn't necessarily products. It might be services. And I don't have uh, a definition yet of what that would mean, what kind of team we need. But uh, it might also just mean it's my own platform, they, that they come to me because maybe I'm like the Mr. Rogers of gay people. I mean, I've <laughs> thought about that. Because <laughs> so, they even say, uh, they go, oh, you're the most wholesome person on TikTok. And I'm like, no, I'm not wholesome. I'm just a human being and I have a lot of flaws and you'll discover them all. But it's your authenticity but. that makes you so genuine and so likable. <laughs> and I think that was the, you know, you got on TikTok and you were trying to be something you weren't, right? You were doing these the lip sync video, yes. you were doing what you were supposed, what you thought you were supposed to do with TikTok. Yes. And then when you switched to, you said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about Overwatch and I see a problem in Overwatch and I'm going to speak to it for 15 seconds. And then suddenly the algorithm rewards you. 80,000 views. Did. Wow. And it's still and rewarding me. Because you found, because you are authentic and genuine, now you start to find your tribe, mm -hmm. right? You start to find people who relate to you. And then from there, oh my gosh, you start helping those people. Yeah. And okay, you're right. You are not earning money from this. You're not profiting from them. 
and you're not necessarily supposed to, right? Correct. And then, so you build this audience, and then you, you kind of, uh, in your case, it was smart, you split the audience. I don't, I rarely recommend splitting a split audience, you know, doing that voluntarily. It makes life hard. You're just Me doing too. more work. You're doing twice the work. But but that speaks to the, the difficulty, but the joy of the algorithm for TikTok. Uh, and this is where we can really get into the weeds and hopefully uh, listeners benefit from this. The, tick, the algorithm TikTok, you do have to think of it as an entity, not an AI truly, but you have to think of it as an entity and you have to train it to understand what you're all about, but it has its own strong choices and it decides for you what you're best at because it has the, oh. it has the best data about what people are engaging with in your content. So for me, you know, I would, I would basically, in the summer, I was doing two kinds of TikToks on that same page. I would do fitness ones, uh, so, you know, talking about like nutrition, et cetera. And then I would do the gaming ones and the algorithm would just boost the gaming ones because for some reason, uh, you know, and I don't work on their team, the engagement was way better on that stuff. So it came to the point where I was like, I, I'm wasting my time if I'm making fitness content in this account, when the algorithm only wants me to talk about diversity and LGBTQ representation in video games. I mean, that's literally as if it was a person, like my boss, it's like a boss. It's like saying, this is what you're really good at. We would like for you to do this in our team. And it sounds so spooky that we speak about algorithms like this, but they have, I would say, the most uh, innovative algorithm I've seen so far for social media. And it's why people who are inside TikTok right now are so excited because you get to sort of work on that day by day with Instagram and Facebook and the other ones. It's uh, people know how to how it works. They try to game it, but it's not pulling in as much engagement data, I think. I think that's the, the source. It, they know s deeper levels of engagement that uh, now makes, like we posted a TikTok yesterday. Within, uh, I think, six hours, I reached 40,000 views. I, I, this never used to happen to us on Instagram, and it probably never will. Like on Instagram, the best we ever do is like an 800 you know, view engagement for a post. So I was gonna say, this sounds so radically different and so much more advanced and rewarding than what Instagram is doing. Yeah. I wonder how Facebook, what's gonna be you know, with the answer to TikTok when a, a social media platform blows up, right? Like it, Facebook all but ruined Snapchat by just replicating what they did. Well, it's happened Instagram. already. Instagram's uh, replicating TikTok with Reels. And, oh. and the really sad part is if you look at what people are posting on Reels, which do get a lot of views, is they're basically ported TikToks. You can actually see the watermark on them. And I, yeah, I, I even, see a lot I even of do TikTok it. watermarks on Instagram. My best, my best TikToks, whether it's gaming or fitness, I bring them over to uh, Instagram. They do pretty okay. So it's like nice to have the extra boost of marketing, but people aren't creating original content in Instagram reels. They're doing it in TikTok first. And so they're eating their lunch. And also there's a lot of uh, anger in the community of people who like TikTok that Instagram's just copying. People just don't like that, right? And so I don't know what the future is for Instagram and Facebook, but I will tell you the algorithm's way more interesting in TikTok. And uh, I think creating content for it is be more difficult. The resources are more intensive. We've dialed things down. I try to keep things as a system, but I spent, I'll be honest here, I spent way too many resources from summer into late fall creating TikToks because I was just so damn excited about it. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. Is it? I, feel, I mean, I feel, sometimes I would feel deep regret because I was like, we're not bringing enough, enough sales for the, for the flagship product, for the store. I'm spending all this time on TikTok. I, it is building an audience, but I was like, I, 
I spend, you know, some weeks it was like 15 to 20 hours a week just to make TikToks. I was spending my whole day making TikToks. Uh, but that also speaks to what was happening with our sales. Our customers uh, tend to be, I think, very conscientious people. I'm going to generalize here. So please, everybody, keep in mind, I'm not making a blanket statement about LGBTQ people. This is just very anecdotal. But I think we are so These focused. Are your observations about your customers. These, yeah, and my community. And my community, because I'm in that community. Uh, we tend to be focused on things like racial equality, helping out the poor, uh, helping out other LGBTQ people. And when it comes to the pandemic, most of us were very thoughtful and said, we will wear a mask, we will stay, and we will stay home and keep our butts at home, right? Most of my customers did that. But what does that mean for a maker of neon bodybuilding tights that you, know, you show off at the gym? It meant there, there was very little interest in buying those things because there was nowhere to wear them. Because we also are very presentational. We like to, you know, be, we're proud of our bodies. We show them with all this gear. You want a peacock. Yes, yes. And uh, it, that, that was really depressing for me because I was like, you know, we're, we're, we rolled out tons of new products last year. That was the other, you know, tons of resources we threw at things. We rolled out a full collection that now is doing better. When we released it, it wasn't doing so hot, but now it's really picking up. It's this 80s retro look with the stripes. But we, we launched it, we, we put so much love and effort into it, and people just weren't picking those things up. Their gyms were closed. Many customers, because I have conversations with them, they would tell me, I'm not feeling great, I've gained weight, I'm depressed, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen, I'm worried about the world. And so I just thought, where does this end up? Do I have to close shop at some point? because the expenses and the resources going into the business aren't bringing the returns. And so uh, it got really dark, but at the same time, I was putting in so much energy, like pure, like raw energy into TikTok and making things that were really positive and fun because to be honest, the video games and this community of queer kids who play the video games were giving me this energy. I was like, I'm still engaged here because it sounds so dorky, but Sigma, one of the characters from Overwatch, like, I feel like I can get through this pandemic if I keep on playing that character. And then these kids would join me and be like, yeah, we, we love him, he's great, we love this other one, and we're all gonna make it. So I, I think it was a good thing for me personally and for business. Uh, the question is, how do I you know, keep evolving that? Because I don't wanna do a disservice to that community, it's that's community focused. And we've tried making some products for them. We've made some sweatshirts that say like Team LED and they have me with these headphones on the, on the image. Um, but I think for them, it's more of a digital product that they want. In the world of gaming, right now, one of the biggest ways in which the giant devs, we're talking like Activision, Electronic Arts, the way they really make their money is microtransactions. It's no longer the, the ticket, the, the, the retail price of the game. Now they make the money with you buying skins. So kids are really into the skins of the characters, like rare skins, legendary skins. And so uh, I'm trying to think of like, how can we make something for them that is sort of like that? And we've done emotes on our Twitch channel and that's good, they like to unlock those. And so those are custom sort of, not skins, but versions of myself. Can we talk yeah. about Twitch? I've n no one has ever brought up Twitch on, on the show. They should. I have uh, a close childhood friend who has become a Twitch streamer and he, he I have followed him. He's talked me through as he grew his his Twitch channel, and it's now a it's a non-trivial amount of income. Like Twitch is this guy's side hustle, mm -hmm. and as I watched him do that, I really and it was a similar story where it's the pandemic. He's stuck it. He's working from home. He's trapped in his house, and so he's and he and so he needs an outlet, and he 
was playing games and he thought, well, maybe I can make this something productive and social. Yeah. And so he started doing it on Twitch. And lo and behold, it worked and it earned money. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool. But that's my sole experience with Twitch. Tell me, tell me about Twitch. For people who don't know, what the heck is Twitch anyway? Yeah, uh, Twitch is something you should be really keen on because it's the future of a lot of content marketing. And, uh, We're not talking about the, the co-host on Ellen, right? No, no, not that co-host. Not that Twitch. No, no, different Twitch. Uh, this is the mega, mega platform of uh, mostly game streaming that is owned by Amazon. Amazon acquired them a handful of years ago. And uh, Twitch is the place where you go watch another person play video games and entertain you while they play them. The thing, the thing most adults go is, why would I want to watch somebody play video games? This is stupid. No, it, <laughs> yes. this is much more like, like when you go to the, to the theater or you go see somebody do improv or a comedian on stage. You're watching them play games, but if they are a good entertainer, they tell you good stories, they have crazy things happen, they have sound effects like your tech nasty uh, <laughs> thing that you do. <laughs> uh, but it's very entertainment focused. And uh, some people make a huge living out of this because what happens is when you're streaming, people can subscribe to your channel for about $6 a month, which is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Or they can send you gifts and donations while you do it. So it's very community focused. But the thing to keep in mind before any marketers get like really excited about this, calm down. The, the community of Twitch is really uh, gamer infused, which means people are very particular. They have very strong opinions. And if you violate their sense of how the world is, they will blast you. So, and it works both ways. If, if, you're, if you're somebody who's like, hey, you know what, this is a douchey thing that big companies would do, why are you coming in here? That community will come after you. Uh, at the same time, if uh, there's homophobic streamers, right, who like, like to bully LGBTQ people, that happens a lot. So there's, there's even banned words now because Twitch is trying to cut down on the bullying that happens in there. So it's a very um, hard to reach space. And I, I was, I'm still sometimes nervous about it. Um, but I think what helped me is I'm not young, I'm 46. Uh, what I'm coming in with is something that um, brings my experience of 25 years as a journalist and then also doing marketing. So I know the limitations of what I wanna say and how we maintain community there. Uh, but we do have, you know, it's a little tiny check that I get for uh, subscriptions. I, uh, your friend probably has way more more reach than I do, but uh, I do get that stuff now. So I actually have a little tiny revenue source just from streaming twice a week right now. Uh, and it's it's incredible because you really, you know, you think about reaching people. You're actually having conversations with people while you play these games. And on Instagram and some other places, you really don't. You leave comments, you know, it's like, hey, you know, here's my comment. But here, people are generally like playing, uh, commenting with you live. And there, there's nothing quite like it. Um, so it's here to stay, but it's also a very uh, problematic space. Yes. Yeah. That, and that's uh, that's just part of anything involving multiplayer gaming. Because yeah. you're taking essentially a space dominated by teen boys, yeah. at least originally, you know, and still now, and then putting them into essentially anonymous competition with each other. And of course that goes wildly off the rails in the chat uh, it, as one, one may have expected, but it like, it's just evolved into it, its own uh, occasionally terrible thing. Well, and uh, you know, I will say this and th this uh, isn't just about, you know, gay kids being bullied. It, it's other issues like race, uh, whatever is going on and how those young people are being raised at home 
is brought to the surface immediately in these spaces of video games, uh, multiplayer online video games. In other words, uh, they will use uh, slurs, racial slurs and uh, slurs against gay people, all these things, because sometimes they're not even aware that it's a bad thing because this is the environment they're in at home, but the gaming space is a place where you can go off on that because you have a mic, people can hear you, and then if you're good at the game, you're also just destroying them, but then you can also kind of uh, let that power go to your head and just say whatever comes to your mind. So it's a really, uh, it, it can be a really toxic place, uh, which is funny because that original TikTok that I made was, we used Toxic by Britney Spears. Uh, but it was a way to also empower my uh, LGBTQ audience because a lot of gay people really love Britney Spears. And so I was like, we're taking this back in the sense that uh, we'll foster positivity and politeness even though we're aware that the, the space is very toxic. Hey, I got a question. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15%? You could try standing on the corner with a megaphone. Hey, you in the denim jacket. What's your credit card number? I got some stuff you could buy. Or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell. Created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store and trusted by over 8,100 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. You can make pre-purchase upsells from the shopping cart, or you can make post-purchase upsells immediately after a customer completes their order. And with mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $139 million in sales. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, Launch your first upsell and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to Zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask them for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Okay, back to the show. What were we discussing? I, I love what you're doing. Um, Thanks. Okay. <laughs> What? I don't know, it's so it's so genuine and pure and and positive. That's what's so great about it. Well, but you know, it's brought me to a new crossroads because uh, I've always been very clear and transparent about everything that I make. But one of my book series that I make is definitely not for kids, right? And I know kids Google and parents Google, so pretty soon they'll go and they'll say, "Oh, well, you wrote a series of uh, gay erotica, right? That is really like hardcore." Uh, how, how do you just how do you justify doing all this stuff, which is why I'm so precise and careful about what happens in the gaming space that we create. So, you know, cutting down on like bad language and all these things and only covering certain topics. We do that because there are other spaces on the Internet, including the website for that book series that is definitely much more sensual and explicit. And so. I, you know, I'm, I'm aware there's risks built into it, but I just sort of think of it as like, you know, entertainers do this like pop stars yes. and, and musicians, like they'll have some stuff that is just way, way intense. And then when they show up in other spaces, they're like, okay, you know, this is much more for uh, all, all ages or all audiences. So um, we'll see where that goes. Honestly, but, yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting Lady Gaga vibes from you. <laughs> she both empowers a very young audience, but then also you know, it does stuff that is way more on the adult spectrum. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that uh, because it does hit an emotional place. I think a lot of the, uh, particularly mus musicians who, who really helped me survive as a gay person, and what I, I'm being really clear here to everybody, I never had suicidal thoughts as a kid, 
but it wouldn't take much to feel suicidal as a gay teen because you feel you know like you don't belong in this world uh, i could have been a statistic right and it was music in many ways music and books that got me out of that but i'm basically i'm borrowing from the best in terms of transforming myself creating different spaces and of course creating things that are dark and very very art art focused but then also speaking honestly to young people in the ways that other people did. And Lady Gaga is a great example, but also David Bowie is a huge influence. Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees, like they stayed the course. They made intense stuff that is sometimes hard to swallow, but yet they also talk, spoke to their audience very candidly. And so, uh, yeah, Lady Gaga, she is like that template and you know, she's a huge icon in the community. Uh, so I've seen her do it, but it's also that sense of transforming yourself. I think people will notice even my, my physical image. I change it all the time. Um, and those are things I just took from the, the playbook of Madonna and Lady Gaga, to be honest. <laughs> uh, there are, there are worse marketers to follow <laughs> than, than Lady Gaga. Um, okay. What does the future hold? The future really has right now, the short-term future has a lot to do with our product line. So COVID, uh, impacted our product line in these particular ways for the year it happened. Um, it was shipping that really burned us. Delays in shipping uh, around Black Friday, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, further delays by the United States Postal Service. Those were brutal. And we had to constantly message customers. And it really hurt to tell them like, hey, it takes now three or four weeks for you to get your product. We got through that. But what that meant was it also slowed down our ability to develop a lot more new designs because I just wasn't confident that those delays would get solved. Now they're actually starting to look a lot better, a lot smoother. So we had a delay in what would become the spring collection for this year and the pride collection. And also uh, one of our suppliers, one of our manufacturers, they also had COVID, um, like just crisis, just crisis where they couldn't make some of the favorite things that customers want. Like the singlets got delayed for a long time because their uh, facilities, I think in India, just, couldn't there was nobody was working they were just quarantining everybody so that kind of delay i'm sure a lot of companies are going through this now we're kind of rebuilding that and just optimizing for the future so we're back up to designing leggings like those are about to you know start releasing this year singlets have become the secondary flagship product i, I think i didn't go to an mba school i don't know what the heck you call that but you know our second most popular product and uh, we're ready to make new designs but Again, back to resources, we are being so frugal this year because we spent so much of the business's cash on marketing and all this other stuff from last year. The path to make more singlets and all these you know, fruit-flavored colors is going to take longer. And so we're talking to the customers now and setting expectations because they ask every day. They go, when, when are you going to release the, the, the cherry-flavored uh, singlet, whatever? They are coming. And so uh, we're in a good place, but it's just taking longer. And that makes me nervous. I don't like that, but I know we'll get there. And then there's the second wave of products that were already like on our list from years ago, but that's even delayed a little further out. That includes swimwear uh, and also very technical underwear to wear with the tights that we make. Uh, one of the hottest questions we get, which we actually answer on every single product page is, what underwear do I wear as a dude with these fabulous tights you make? Uh, we give them recommendations. I, I remember you telling yeah. me this, that <laughs> your number, number one, one FAQ question is, which underwear do I wear with these leggings? It, so I, I, 
And at the time, they put together that like, well, you should make underwear specific to this. Yes. And, and that underwear, I mean, there's, there's some great brands out there, so we recommend them to the customers. We have no, no problem in our brand sending them to other brands and saying, like, you know, pair it up with this. But we're at the point now where I'm like, I have customers now asking, they go, could you make a, a thong or a dance belt for men that is in the colors of your brand? Which also means I've done the right job. I've done my job in saying to the world, this is the aesthetic of LED Queens. Now the customers actually uh, can imagine what those products would look like. Now they're telling you what right. to make so they can buy Because it won't it. be black underwear and it won't be flesh colored the way that dance belts are. What they want are these neon, you know, colors with this fabulous look uh, as underwear. So underwear, swimwear, and then uh, there's a few other products that customers ask for, but there's also, I think what's actually higher relevance is uh, I wanna break out of some of the styling of some of our tights and add more features, but mm. because they ask for other features like zippers and uh, like a lower cut uh, waist, but we cannot get to those right now. I mean, I'm just being real honest here. We only have enough resources to stick to what we do best, which is just this, this single style that we make. And we have to prove ourselves in 2021 and actually make that money, make those sales with the existing catalog, or we don't make it into 2022. And I, I would love to hear from other business owners, like how they are grokking this, because, uh, you know, maybe I don't have the right approach. Maybe I should just be getting crazier and taking out business loans and developing more stuff. But I don't believe that's the answer. I think I have to maybe just perfect the classic cut that we call it. It's the classic cut for LED Queens and just make more colors in it because it, that is what works. And all these extra features, just roll them out when the business can prove itself. Like I, I am determined to have this be like what really brings in, <laughs> makes my living, right? And like a lot of business, you know, businesses or startups, uh, you know, you're, you're tracking towards a day when you're like profitable. We, we must do this. But I don't think the answer is by making more stuff that I can't afford to make. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, no, that's I, the, I, uh, the honest answer. I'm in total agreement with you. I'm inherently risk averse. But I like the idea of, hey, let's not take on debt we don't need. And let's just laser focus at making the absolute best version of our core product yeah. of the thing that we already know sells well and we're known yes. for when you phrase it like that it doesn't sound crazy it sounds like the right plan this goes back to uh you know what you what i talked about with you and paul which was you know you both said couldn't you just double down and say like we make the best tights like bodybuilding tights and that's basically what we're doing and that includes the user experience uh, we, we've done things now where uh, please don't look at the loading times like we are trying to optimize those images They're a little bit too fat, but in general we got rid of the carousel and We brought the best collections the best colors and we popped them all on a giant grid on the on the homepage With I saw I noticed it and I loved it immediately. Yes the moment that homepage loads It's here's a grid of our best stuff is the very first thing you see above the fold and I know this strategy works. It really works. And it also is dependent on trusting that you're doing the right thing on social media. Because what happens is, I know this now, what people see on, a, on our social media pages, especially our Instagram, where we feature customers and not influencers. We do not work with influencers. We, we tried that years ago. We do, I don't like it. So what we feature actual people from our community, real LGBTQ people with jobs. <laughs> uh, and we show them in all their shapes and all their sizes and all their like beauty. Uh, and what happens is potential customers look at that and they go, oh, yeah, 
Where do I find that on the website? So they're using the website more like a Google. They're like, let me just find the one I saw on Instagram. We're doing our job right with that stuff. That We're getting those conversions. Uh, so we've done that. But then also moving into like more sophisticated marketing, uh, I'm really f- determined to figure out the best way to do SMS messaging for our customers. Um, that, that has to happen like ASAP. We already have it. We, right now we're doing a abandoned cart recovery. Uh, we're also just bringing people into that list. But uh, as you may have noticed, even in the Facebook group, I'm asking more questions, which is now I'm like, how can I send out like a monthly coupon or a monthly photo, customer photo, something like that. Um, so we're evolving into that because I think that's, uh, that's also the new generation of customers that are coming in. Like it might be these gamer kids, right? Like they don't want to be messaged on email, but they're okay with text. And so we're, we're looking forward to that. But in terms of like what people can really expect, we do have uh, new designs coming this year. Uh, the collection will, will have a really interesting new theme. And uh, this is kind of very hard for me to say, but we usually put a lot of effort into um, lots of brand new Pride designs because Pride is a, a really high sales time for us, June. Um, but we just don't have enough resources to really blow out that uh, that collection. So we're leveraging the existing collection, which people can still get, and that's about 15 different pride products and we're just going to like remarket the hell out of those. Um, and we've actually told the customers that because this is something that actually matters a lot to my customers. They tell me, they go, are you going to have new pride stuff? Pride, pride, pride. And so we we're more honest with them and we say, look, the business took a hit in 2020. We really want to make more of that stuff. But uh, for this year, we're, we're going to hold off on like new pride stuff. So take a look at what we already make. Uh, these things, what I like is- these might not be smart business, uh, owner things to say to the customer, but we are, we try to be more transparent. I know it's smart because it's transparent. I also love that the homepage is entirely featured collection. And one of the featured collections is Cesar's picks (laughs) every month. You select the designs from the massive catalog of LED queens that are worth paying attention to. Well, and that one, it's starting to pay off because on Instagram, I get a lot of DMS, like a lot of uh, businesses do. And sometimes a customer will say, would you just recommend what I should start with or what would work well for me? And honestly, that curation of that list, Cesar's Picks as a collection, is something that we can uh, send to that customer in a DM, but we can also put it into a flow. We haven't put it into a flow yet, but we're, uh, we're going to do that on Clavio. Um, and I think that's, that's what people want to know. Part, a big part of the success of the brand is me, right? Like it's not just my leggings. It's what I have to say to the world. And so uh, we're trying to boost that, but also, um, I mean, we're trying to do our best to not be douchey, <laughs> you know, because in the world of fitness, this, this ends up going to the extreme, you know, it, like the person becomes like this, this icon and it's like, oh, here's my protein powders and all the blah, blah, blah. And the, I want to be a little bit more down to earth as much as I can with this stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange, that's a strange, strange universe unto itself. So it's time for a lightning round. (laughs) If you could send a message Mm. to everybody, Mm. all the Shopify merchants, you got 30 seconds. What do you tell them? Remove yourself from your own equation. Stop being the obstacle to your business progressing. And when you get some um, keen advice, that, that works for other people in the industry or, you know, an expert actually tells you, actually do try to take it. So, you know, whether it's your user experience or marketing stuff, like don't think that you are smarter than what has actually already worked for all these other really big brands before. So get yourself out of the way, uh, swallow your pride and try out what people are telling you to do. Stick to the program. 
I like that advice. I often, if I if I'm having trouble accepting advice that I think is good, where you know I'm trying to get out of my own way and having trouble with it, I ask myself, what would someone smarter than me do? And then the answer, of course, is, well, do the thing that everyone's telling you to do. Right. <laughs> and then you go, oh, all right, well, I guess I better do it. And like, uh, like I mean, I'll just my quick example is. Uh, Newsletter marketing. I mean, years ago, I've been working in this field for a long time, but uh, whether, you know, you have a conver conversion rate you're happy with or not, the email is still really powerful. And you, you need to listen to people who tell you that you need to be sending out your emails at least once or twice a week. Like, just, just stop being silly and do it. It's so hugely powerful. And people who don't want to hear from you, eh, they'll probably just delete the email and move on with their lives. It is way yeah. less important to the person receiving it than it is to you sending it. Stop, stop. Just send the email. Oh my gosh, just send it. Yes. Uh, wait, top three favorite Shopify apps. You get, I'm deleting every app in your Shopify store except for three. Right now, what are the three that you get to keep? Uh, we're going we're gonna to definitely have to put uh, Privy on there. Privy has been pretty great. Uh, their analytics and just the uh, ease of, of the user experience in constructing uh, pop-ups and collection of emails, really great. Uh, and I use them also now for uh, SMS uh, marketing, so that's good. Uh, Smile.io, I've actually, uh, you know, our, our rewards program slowed down, obviously because sales uh, slowed down a little bit or quite a bit in 2020, but now they're, they're picking back up. Uh, but that product, I still have customers who love our points program. Uh, they send referrals and they love collecting their points. They do a really great job. And uh, what would be my third one? Let, let me take a look here. If, if you don't mind me uh, clicking on the, on the podcast, I need, to, I need to make sure I promote the right one because I do. Okay, oh, go you ahead. know what? Uh, for my scale, this is going to be a, an odd one. And I don't know these people very well. But actually... Uh, Return Magic and Fraud Killer. I'm going to throw two in here. Return Magic, just because it's really helped me uh, automate returns. And right now, it's very mom and pop shop. Like, returns actually come back here to my house, but we actually uh, repackage that product and send it out. Uh, so that's been awesome. And then uh, Fraud Killer. Fraud Killer saved our butt uh, more than once last year because we had a, a flood of... Uh, I was like, going to say, a credit card fraud credit card. and e-commerce fraud yeah. really on the rise in 2020. Tell me about that. Yeah, this was uh, summertime. We had, I, it, was, it was frightening. It was like, in one week, it was like 50 purchases in a row that were fraudulent. They were all marked as fraudulent. And I was like, I can't manage this. Like, I, I, was, I was actually just frightened to death. I was like, how am I going to deal with this? Like, wh what will happen? And so um, I found that app mostly just by Googling a lot and seeing what reviews were. I'm sure there's some bigger competitors now. But what it does now is it, I just set the threshold of what is considered fraudulent and as soon as the purchase comes in, we refund it. And that actually solved it uh, for a long time. And so we haven't had that issue since, but for a company as small as mine, it was the best thing ever because it, it really allowed me to sleep <laughs> at night. <laughs> so I do recommend it, yeah. And Return Magic's great because one of our uh, warehouses uh, that's in Kansas City, uh, we use it with them and uh, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's nice to automate that stuff. You shouldn't be processing returns one by one. Don't do that. You don't have to. Yeah. I, getting rid of that stuff that no one wants to do through automation is a real joy. Like reviewing orders for fraud. Okay. I don't want to have to worry about that. Doing the, the back and forth of returns are two great things to get off your plate with um, using an app to automate it. So I think that's, that's bright. Um, I, for those of us who need some leggings... Yes. And I can't, we can't just have black leggings. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> I, where do I get the good stuff? You go to ledqueens.com and I encourage you 
nowadays when you go there, go there on your phone because the experience on the phone is fabulous. The way it scrolls and moves, you're going to like it. But also we have our best coupon on, on the phone only. And that's the SMS uh, engagement that we do with you. So if you're willing to receive SMS text messages from us, you get a massive 15% off coupon, which we don't really give anyone else. And that brings you into our experience. You get to try out what we have. We offer free returns, at least for domestic customers. Um, but we do service all countries of the world. We ship internationally. And uh, you can also talk to me. You can message me on TikTok and Instagram. But right now, the way that we're operating in 2021, you get to talk to me every single time you have a question about the product. So uh, I think that that's something really special because if you like this kind of positivity and excitement for books, design, art, and fitness, you actually get to talk to me about your passion with that. And then, yes, I do encourage you to try lots of color because you'll find a couple of like leggings in black, but we always still make them pop with neon. And I would say 95% of our catalog is this stuff that is just so bright. You'll think, how could I ever pull that off? And then you'll look at the site and our Instagram and you'll go, oh, this is how I do it. Because the customers teach you how to combine the colors, really. I mean, I also do my own styling, but um, you'll also find a community of amazing, mostly LGBTQ people who um, just have a passion for fitness and uh, are really proud of their bodies. Yeah, that's us. Cesar, thank you so much for being here. This is a, a wonderful interview. I'm glad to hear uh, how how optimistic you are for the future. And I, I have total faith in you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I wish you the best. Say hi to Paul. Uh, both of you are doing a great job. And I just, I want to tip my hat off to you and round of applause from everybody listening. Y'all are awesome. So keep, keep, keep doing it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> can I get the tech nasty thing? Cause I, I, I just love that thing. It's so, of it's so course. weird. I say it in my head now. Tech nasty. <laughs> I'm happy. I can die. I can die happy now. <laughs> All right, we'll close on that. Tech nasty. <laughs> E-commerce sales are at an all-time high. So if you've been waiting for the quote-unquote right time to launch your online store, here is your sign. Yes, you've got to launch it now. In 2021, success in e-commerce is going to depend on whether or not you provide an amazing customer experience. And Out of the Sandbox has a 10-year track record of delivering excellent customer experiences by building premium Shopify themes that look and work amazingly well. And that helps merchants make more money. So their best-selling theme, Turbo, fully loaded, easily accommodates high-volume large catalog shops or small shops looking for premium performance because it is just that flexible. It is arguably the fastest theme on the market with speed settings that you could control and customization settings that free themes just can't compete with. For 20% off Turbo, Visit outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial and use promo code KURT20 at checkout. Try the new theme for two weeks, and if you don't like it, they will give you your money back. How's that for a risk reversal guarantee? That's outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial, promo code KURT20 for 20% off turbo and a 14-day money-back guarantee. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The Unofficial Shopify Podcast 
was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.